Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles, you're going to be turning to Luke chapter 1, as well as Matthew chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 1, and you can kind of leave your hands in between those because we're flipping back and forth. I want to read a verse of scripture from 1 John chapter 5 that goes along with that song, one of those songs we sang that see the victory. It's just a confirmation of this word that we're going to share this morning because it's about victory and it's about overcoming. In 1 John chapter 5 verse 4 it says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Amen? Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. That means that if you are born of God, how are you born of God? You are born again. You've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and through that birthing spiritually, you've been born again, and therefore you are born of God. It says, for whatever is born of God overcomes this old world. Amen? And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This morning I want to take the Christmas story and I want to look at it a little different way than maybe we've looked at it before. I want to look at the Christmas story as being a wonderful example of overcomers. People who are overcomers. Now, you might not think about that in relationship to the fact, but it is a wonderful story about overcoming. The Christmas story is an overcoming of a number of obstacles that are in the way of the will of God and the work of God. In other words, what God's plan is, and that plan is Jesus come into this world, that plan is salvation, that baby, as had been foretold, being born of a virgin, all those things that we'll read about in the Christmas story. But the Christmas story reveals to us two wonderful characters, Mary and Joseph, who are examples to us of overcomers. And, and I want us this morning to be challenged in our spirit that we want to be overcomers. And that we're going to have victory over obstacles very similar to the obstacles that they overcome in this story. And so we're going to be looking at their lives and the story that's found here in Luke chapter 1 as well as in Matthew chapter 1. Now, if you're reading the Christmas story to your family later this month, you'll usually use both of these passages. Luke chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 reveals whenever the angel comes to talk to Mary. I want to read it for us. It's found here in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged or betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, The Lord is with you. And she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. 
And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will, receive, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for this reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. You've got to underline that phrase in your Bible. Amen? For nothing will be impossible with God. Now, listen to verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. And the angel departed. Now, hold your hand here and look back at Matthew chapter 1. This is the experience Joseph had, beginning in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place, that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph arose from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took her as his wife and kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Very quickly, I want to share with you four things that they have to overcome. Four things that they together have to overcome in order to be a part and join God in this work that he's doing. And those same four things you're going to have to be willing to overcome in your life if you are going to fulfill the purpose and plan of God that he has for you. The first of those things that I want you to write this down, if you would, is they had to overcome the idea that only that God uses people only who have specific and special callings. Listen to that. They have to overcome this idea that God only uses special people who have specific callings of God. God didn't use just common, ordinary people. He used those special people who had a specific role and specific responsibility. Can I help you to understand how they would feel that way and why they would think that? It goes all the way back to history that's recorded in the Bible. Whenever you find out in the Bible, who is it that God especially anointed or used in the book of Genesis? They were called the patriarchs, weren't they? I mean, God came upon Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. 
They were the patriarchs of God. God was specially working in their life. And they were a specific group of people that God used in a unique way. So in the mind of the people is God didn't use just ordinary people. He used the patriarchs. Well, then you find over in the book of Exodus, you find out that God uses a man named Moses and his brother named Aaron, and they're deliverers of Israel, and get them out, and God speaks to them on the mountain, and they reveal that, that word to the people of Israel, and you, you realize and understand that it's special people, it's Moses and Aaron that God uses, and then we find that out of the lineage of Aaron that God brings forth a priesthood, and that those priests now are ones that are going to be used by God, and that God's going to speak to the priest who will speak to the people and people speak to the priest who speak to God, right? It's exactly what they they knew of. And and then beyond that time, you had the period of the judges. And those period of judges, those ruled time in and time out. The judge would come and would turn people back to God and then they'd get away from God and another judge would rise up. Then you find it's the period of the prophets. That's Samuel. Samuel and the prophets who were the men that received a word from God and gave a word of God to the people and God would speak to the prophets and how they responded to the man of God is how they responded to God. A special group of people. Then God called the kings, Solomon and Saul and David and then the divided kingdoms and a special anointing falls upon each of them and God uses them in his plan and in his purpose as they would have the will of God. What, you, what they find out in, in all of Israel's history is there's a specific group of people, a special group of people that God uses, God talks to, God calls. And then you go through the 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament the, called the intertestamental intertestamental period and it's 400 years of whenever there is no word from God but is a big development of religious leaders and sects called the Pharisees and Sadducees you remember hearing about them in the New Testament don't you those were the spiritual leaders and you know what they taught everybody is if anything God's going to do he's going to do it through us and if there's a word that you need to get from God it'll be through us and they grew up in an idea that only the only way God uses people and the only one that God speaks to and the only way that God can be a, you can be a part of God's plan is that you have to be a specific, special group of people. Not just an ordinary, common person. And what kind of people were, were Mary and Joseph? They were just a common, ordinary People, common, ordinary people that God was going to speak to and God was going to use. Did you hear that? That's why if you go back to that story in Luke, I don't know if you caught what she said, but this this is what it said. Whenever the angel shows up to her and he speaks to her, it says, Verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at a statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. You know why she's pondering? You know why she's wondering? Because she didn't think that angels came and talked to ordinary people. She didn't think there was a message for just a common woman. She couldn't imagine that, that God would have a word for her because in her mind, it was only a special, specific group of people that God would speak to and God would use. But God sent an angel to tell Mary, you've been chosen by God to be the mother of the Son of God, 
to have the Holy Spirit conceive within you the son, the child of God. And she had to overcome the idea that it had to be a specific group of people, a special group of people, but rather the fact that God could speak to me and, and God speak to you and God speak to her. Joseph had the same experience. When Joseph found out that Mary was expecting, he loved her, he cared for her, he didn't want to shame her, but he was going to put her away in silence until what? Until an angel spoke to him. Go back to Matthew 1. An angel spoke to him in a dream. And that angel came and spoke to him and gave him the word that this this is of God. Mary has done nothing wrong and you should take her as your wife and that you should raise this child who's going to be the son of God and you shall name his name Jesus. And all of that, here is Joseph hearing a word from God. What it really is, is the beginning of what Joel prophesied. Remember, Joel prophesied, and and Peter used that in Acts chapter 2 whenever he preached his first message there at the day of Pentecost. He said, Joel said there's a day when my spirit will fall upon all men. All men. And bond servants and slaves and all people will have the spirit of God upon them and will prophesy. The words that that God's going to speak to all people and that God's going to give salutations to all people. He's going to invite all people to participate in what he's going to do. And he's going to reveal his truth to all people. And what a great way to begin that in the fact that whenever this is going to happen and it's happening when the Lord Jesus comes into this world and he transforms this world and makes way where the Holy Spirit can come and abide in our life. And how did that happen? Whenever Mary and Joseph were the first ones to hear that common people can get a word from God. And common people can be invited to participate in the will and the work of God. And they received that and they overcame that idea that had been through history and had been their practice. And they overcame that thing that it has to be somebody special and they know they're not special. They overcame that idea and said, God has spoken to me. Can I challenge you in that area? (laughs) Do you know who God uses today? Ordinary, common people. Ordinary, common people who are open to the will of God, willing to be used by God, have their ear attuned to God. God will speak to you. He may not do it by vision. He may not have an angel who sends to. He could do if he wanted to. Amen. But here's the reality is that God will speak to you. God will invite you to join him in his work. God will make you a part of that work because God uses ordinary, common people. Amen. And if you, if you do not think about that, you do not understand that, you do not grasp that in your heart and in your life, then you're going to miss something God wants for you because you're going to think that God only uses the preacher or God only uses the evangelist or God only uses the missionary or God only uses that other person who's a seminary professor that God can't use me. Oh, yes, God uses you. He uses ordinary people to do the greatest thing that ever happened in this world, and that is to bring his son into this world that he might redeem us. And you've got to be an overcomer, just like they were overcomers. You've got to push aside that idea. Take somebody special. No, it just takes somebody available and somebody to be used and wants to be used by God. 
The second thing they had to overcome is this. They had to overcome the fear and worry of what other people think. I'm glad they're the only ones who struggle with that. Aren't you? Aren't you glad they're the only people who ever struggle with what other people might think about them or worry about what other people might say about them? Can you understand can you understand how that was not an easy thing? I mean back here in Luke 1, what did the angel say to Mary? You are going to be pregnant. You're going to be, inside your womb is going to be a baby, a baby boy, conceived of the Holy Spirit. How can that be? I've never known a man. It's going to be of the Holy Spirit of God. And when she hears that and she grasps that, that's beyond comprehension, beyond what you could imagine. But the fact of it is, is she still believed God, didn't she? And she said these amazing words. I don't know if you heard that or not. Verse 38 of chapter 1. Behold the bond slave of the Lord. Be it done to me according to your word. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Whatever you say. However you want to use me. Whatever your will is. I'll do it. I will sign up. Joseph said the same thing in Matthew chapter 1. Whenever that angel had spoken to him, it says, Joseph arose from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took her as his wife and kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. He says, okay, I will do it. Okay, I will do it. Now, why was it going to take such courage? Because who do you think believed that? Now, they know the truth. They know the reality. They, they've had the opportunity of hearing from the angel of God. They know that a miracle has happened. But when it comes about that this virgin is now pregnant with a child, who do you think is going to believe that? That it's not Joseph. That it's not somebody else's. That it just happened by a miracle. They're not going to believe that. So do you know what that means? That means that other people are going to look at her and look at them in shame. They're going to consider her unfaithful. They're going to consider that if this child is theirs together, they weren't willing to wait to the appropriate time. They brought shame on their family. Do you understand that 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 was a thought in the minds of all those people that that grew up with, with Jesus? I think sometimes we have the idea that people view Jesus the way we view Jesus. Whenever those people in in Nazareth and they found out that that Mary was pregnant and they felt shame and they were embarrassed about that and they looked down on her and looked down on Joseph, that didn't change. That didn't change. Many of them never accepted him as the Messiah. Do you remember when he came back to his hometown to preach? He did miracles everywhere. He couldn't do them in his hometown because they didn't believe who he was. Remember they said, this is just a carpenter's son. You remember it was one of the places where they, they took him and they were going to throw him off the brow of the cliff. And he had to walk through miraculously and save himself because they were going to kill him at his hometown. 
Why? Because they didn't think there was anything unique or special about him. They thought that his parents had been unfaithful or that he was illegitimate. They never understood. And in their hearts and in their minds and in Joseph and Mary's life, it was never vindicated. For them, it was never vindicated. Many of those people never believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They never accepted him as the Messiah. And therefore, in their minds, all the days of their life, they thought that Joseph and Mary had done something wrong. They looked down upon them, but Joseph and Mary were willing to handle that and overcome what other people thought. Because they felt like it was more important to do and to be pleasing to God, and they were more interested in what God thought. Right? Now, can I ask you a question? Do you ever have challenges in your heart and your life and your spiritual journey? And there are hindrances and obstacles because of what other people might think? What somebody might think. What somebody might feel about me. What somebody might interpret. And we're all caught up on what somebody else might think. Well, thanks be to God that Joseph and Mary overcame that fear of what other people might think. And their overcoming that fear and accepting the plan of God allows them to be a part of bringing forth the Messiah, the Savior. Praise be to God. Amen. But do you realize that if you spend your whole life fearful of what other people think, you may miss out on what God has for you? You may miss out on opportunities that God has for you. And you're going to have to pray for strength. It's hard. It's difficult. You're going to have to pray for strength. That Lord, help me to overcome the opinions of people. Help me to overcome what somebody out might say, think about me. And help me to be more interested and more concerned about what you think about me. As long as you think I'm fine, I'm fine. Amen? When we're not walking in those shoes, it doesn't seem like a big deal. But if you had been walking in Joseph and Mary's shoes and they've been asked to do what God's asked them to do, you would understand how it takes an overcomer to overcome that fear of what people might say or people might think. The third overcoming They had to overcome the challenges and hindrances to doing God's will. You need to write that down. They had to overcome the challenges and hindrances to doing God's will. Sometimes we just, uh, we get things all confused about things, don't we? I mean, this is how we have our mindset. Well, once you start doing God's will, everything is easy. All you have to do is get into God's will. And when you're doing God's perfect will, man, the road is like an interstate. Well, I'm just here to tell you, that's not life. It's not your life. It's not anybody else's life. And it's not the biblical record. Let's talk about that for just a minute. What were some of the challenges and hindrances that they had to overcome in this journey? If you look at Luke chapter 2, I just want to give just a few. In Luke chapter 2, 
you find out that they are together and that there is a, a census being taken and a tax being paid. And whenever that happens, they're going to have to go to their hometown. And both of them are the household of David. And David's city was what? Bethlehem. But where did they live? They lived in a, in a city in Galilee called Nazareth. Now, if you were to look in the back of your Bible and your little maps, if you got maps in the back of your Bible, you'll see that Nazareth is up here by the Sea of Galilee and that Bethlehem is really south of Jerusalem. And if you put a map on that and you just drew a line as the crow flies, it looks at about 60 or 65 miles, but reality is about 80 to 90 miles between Nazareth and Bethlehem. Nazareth, about, about 90 miles, because they would have to go over to the Jordan and go down in the, where there wasn't mountainous, and when they'd get parallel to Jerusalem, they'd cross over the mountain then, and then they'd go south to Bethlehem. It's about 90 miles, or it would take about five days of walking. Walking or riding a donkey. <laughs> now here's Mary and Joseph who said, we, we will do whatever God wants us to do. And, and we're in the plan of God. And, and they didn't, or either they forgot about it or they had not remember when they said that, that God said he was going to be born in Bethlehem. So whenever it's time for him to be born in Bethlehem, when she's about to give birth, a tax has been, a census is being taken, and a tax being taken, and they all have to go to their hometown. And here she is. Hold on, ladies. I've never been pregnant. Don't want to be. All right? But you ladies who have been pregnant, at about nine months of pregnancy, whenever she's in full bloom, she has to either ride a donkey or walk 80 to 90 miles from from. Nazareth to Bethlehem. I don't know about you, that sounds like a challenge to me. That doesn't sound like an easy road. Well, God, whenever I do this, I didn't know I was going to have to travel 90 miles in my nine month of pregnancy. That's a challenge. It didn't matter to them. They're going to do whatever God tells them to do. Well, we know the rest of the story. When they get down to Bethlehem, after they've traveled for four or five days overnight, staying out there on the road whenever they overnight, they come and she is a time of giving birth, but they can't find one hotel room. There's no room for them then. Wait a minute now, Lord. When I have said, I will do your will, let it be done to me according to your plan and purpose. I am right in the center of your will. Don't you think you could have one room for me? What about it? No rooms. No room. Matter of fact, she's going to have to have that baby in a stable and lay him in a manger. Doesn't sound easy to me. Doesn't sound smooth to me. Obstacles and hindrances they had to overcome. But they did. Gives you no idea they're bitter or upset or angry about that at all. Just they're just overcoming whatever has to be overcome for God's purpose to be done, for his plan to be fulfilled. But that's not all. You, you remember what happens next, don't you? That's that's whenever in Matthew. 
Gospel, whenever you read about the Magi or the wise men who are coming. You remember that part of that story? When the wise men came and they asked Herod, where is the king of the Jews? And they find out it's supposed to be Bethlehem. And they come over and they, they worship and bring the, the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And Herod said, hey, come tell me where that king is so I can go worship him. And the Magi were warned by an angel, do not go back. But when Herod found out that they had deceived him and not come and told him, he was going to send his army to destroy all the male children in that particular region from this year, two years of age and under. But before that happens, what did God do? God sent an angel to Joseph. Hold, listen now. He sent an angel to Joseph and says, get your family and get out of here and go to Egypt. Read it. It says, and in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, he gets up Mary and that baby and they travel to Egypt. You know how far that is from Bethlehem to Egypt? 430 miles. 430 miles walking. Sounds like an easy road to me. What about you? No complaint. Going to protect the son of God. Then they have to reside in Egypt. They reside in Egypt anywhere from four years to seven years. Most theologians believe four to seven years. And after Herod, King Herod dies, he says to Joseph in a dream, it's time to go back. And when he comes back, he makes his way back to Nazareth and he actually grows up. Jesus grows up and they raise him in the town of Nazareth. But do you realize that whenever, as far as what it reveals to us, from the time they left Nazareth to go down and get the taxes paid until the time that they would return back home, it could be anywhere from five to nine years. That's a long road trip. A long road trip that takes you to a foreign land that you're not used to, having to make the best you can, do the best you can with what you have to take care of your family and take care of the Son of God. Does it sound like an easy road? But it doesn't matter to them. They are overcomers. Could I say this to you? When God gives you a will, a purpose, a plan in life, it can be the perfect will and perfect plan. But get ready. There are going to be some hindrances and challenges that you're going to have to overcome. But if you're an overcomer, you can do it. Just like Joseph and Mary. Final thing they have to overcome. I don't know if you ever thought about this. Overcoming the idea that this job, this work is too big for them. It's just too big for them. Could, could, you, imagine, could you imagine this? That God entrusted you with his child. Now I know that all children are a gift from God. But I'm talking about his only begotten son of God. That one called the Christ. That one called the Messiah. He's going to put him into your care. I could understand why they would think that's too big a job for me. 
You know, you know the most in, one of the most intimidating things that I ever had in my, my life experience is having my first child. My wife having our first child. You know, when I got married, that, that, that didn't intimidate me too much. I mean, we were, loved each other, cared, we were going to grow together. That kind of, but whenever that first baby came, that was intimidating as anything I had ever experienced in my life. Because I knew that that little dude was going to have to depend on me. And he was on shaky ground. He didn't know it. If he cried, I understood why. He was going to depend on me. And I had responsibility to feed him and keep him clean and covered and warm. And, and, and not only those physical things, it's big enough, but, but to raise him up in the nurture and admonition of God and to try to be an example for him and teach him things that he's supposed to be doing. And all those responsibilities... That was scary. Scary. But something else can be even more frightening than that. Have you ever had to take care of somebody else's child? They left them in your care? Oh, that's really, that's really scary. Because it's one thing if you mess up with yours... It's one thing if you drop yours and bump their head, they get a scrape or do something. It's one thing that they're yours. But when you've got somebody else's that you've got to watch over and take care of, you just you don't want them to get hurt. You want everything to be fine. You want everything to be nice. You want to put them back. In, you can't wait. Put them back in the hands of that person that, who has entrusted them to your care. And it's like, hallelujah, amen, praise God. Amen? You know what I mean? Hold on a second. How would you like to be entrusted with the only begotten Son of God? We're not talking about just any baby. We're talking about God's baby. And he's going to entrust him into your care. Not only to feed him, keep him safe, care for him, minister to him in every way, but to lead him, to teach him and everything else. And it, isn't, it, isn't it interesting that one of, of all the stories of Jesus in his life, that you, you, you're millions of stories you'd like to heard. I'd, I'd love to know a lot, a lot about what he did. Isn't it interesting that one story that tells about is whenever Mary and Joseph go to the temple when he's 12 years old and they lose him. Bless God. They lose him. Can you imagine how they felt? Can you imagine how they felt? They didn't lose him for one day. They lost him for four days. Nobody read that. They were a day's journey out, and then they found out he wasn't there, and they turned back, had a day's journey to go back in. No. And then it was three days, five days, because then they looked in town for three days. Five days they've lost their child. Five days they've lost the Son of God. You want to give that report? God, I've got some bad news. <laughs> Do you understand? Do you understand why they could have easily felt like this job's too big for me? But they didn't. They didn't. Let it be done unto me. Your servant will take on that responsibility. You know why? Because they had faith. 
They had faith in a God who found them trustworthy. Trustworthy, it means worthy of trust. They were, it's one thing to trust God, it's nothing for God to trust you, amen? And God had found them trustworthy to be chosen to take care of his son. And basically, if God said, I've chosen you, Joseph and Mary said, we'll overcome every fear we have to. We'll overcome every challenge that we might face and every inadequacy we might feel. We will overcome that by faith. By faith. You're going to have to do the same thing. You have to do the same thing. God, God has a will and a purpose and plan for you. And you've got to overcome every one of those obstacles. That God uses people like you. He uses people like you to do his will. You've got to be more concerned about doing God's will than what people think about you. What God calls you to do. You've got to be trusting of God that even though there are bumps in the roads and curves at the bottom of the hill, in the midst of it, the perfect will of God, that you can do it. And that even though it seems overwhelmingly big, bigger than you, if God trusts you with it, you can do it. See, Joseph and Mary are wonderful examples of overcomers. And I think many of us miss out on joining God in some great things He wants to do because we don't have the faith to overcome. Let them be an example to you and me to be an overcomer. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.